0: You're watching episode 18 of Young Female Entrepreneurs, the live stream that happens every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific 9 Eastern here at Ovali.tv, and this evening we're welcoming in Erica Zeidel of Sitting Around. She founded the company a few years ago. She's been on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine and countless other publications, and thousands upon thousands of babysitters and co-ops are using her services. We're very excited to bring her in. So Young Female Entrepreneurs is an entrepreneurial community for women in their 20s and 30s online at youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com. I'm the director, Jennifer Dono, and I'll be your host for the rest of this evening for the Young Female Entrepreneurs live stream. I am on the chat, and I'm very excited to take your questions for Erica. If you're watching live, make sure that you chat in and introduce yourself. Like I said, I'm on, so I'm excited to meet other young entrepreneurial women myself. Um, So before we get started, I wanted to go ahead and give thanks to a couple of people First one is Ovali. Uh, Ovali is sponsoring Young Female Entrepreneurs Livestream. We empower your home office lifestyle through web hosting, cloud services, and domain names. Visit ovali.com to work with us today. And we're sponsored by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audib- audibletrial.com slash Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So Erica... Um, thank you to both. Very excited. If you haven't tried Audible, definitely recommend it. I just finished reading not too long ago the Lean Startup on Audible, and it was an awesome read. I read it in like a day because I was able to listen to it on walks, and, um, it was great. So Erica and I, getting into the topic, she, um, used to be in Seattle. I met her at a Young Female Entrepreneurs Meetup at a local co-working space, and, um, in Redmond, actually. And she's over in the Seattle area. And she since then moved back to Boston, was part of Mass Challenge. Like I said, she was on the cover of, I mean, do you guys realize this? I I was so excited. I couldn't even contain myself. I knew the girl that was on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. I was so excited. So anyway, um, her sittingaround.com was just this little site that she was going into beta when I met her. And since then, it's this creep I just used it the other night to ask someone to babysit for me. So it was fantastic. It was a great Full circle. So she's going to be on talking about bootstrapping, about being a mom, about dating, about having a life and building a business. So I'm very excited to take all of your questions. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this, I am on the chat. I see that Morgan's here. Thank you so much for showing up, Morgan, and anyone else that's here live. Um, so before we get started, I wanted to talk, um, touch on a couple pieces with the young female entrepreneur community. There's some news that's happening. The first thing is if you go to overlay.tv, you're able to find some past episodes of young female entrepreneurs there. Um, But as of Sunday, I'm going to work my booty off to make sure that we're able to get past episodes up on iTunes, Blip TV, and YouTube so that you guys can actually download the RSS feed when you go on vacation over the 4th. Um, So that's a big priority of mine. And then also we're redoing the website and then doing a few other little changes that comes with Young Female Entrepreneurs. And in doing so, I'm retiring the old email list. You might have received our emails today. Um, So retiring that old one if you're on there and you don't participate, you won't have an issue with it. But if you do participate, make sure you go to youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com and sign up to find out what's happening every week. Every Sunday, you'll get a new email. Um, The next thing, so some of the things that we'll be talking about in those emails is uh, for one, the book club. Jessica Newell and Morgan Hatton uh, head up the book club and they do prompts, two prompts every week. The whole idea behind the book that they're reading now is about getting our creative juices and all of the ideas that we have out on paper and into action. So actually making things happen. And so it's I mean, there's been a great response so far. It's in a private Facebook group, and it's just a nice way to meet other women who are doing what you're doing. And then lastly, there's an In Real Life meeting that's coming up in Los Angeles uh, that's in mid-July, beginning of July, uh, with Erin uh, Haslag of WellInLA.com. She is the Wifey Ambassador over in LA, and she's bringing together lots and lots of women that all have uh, entrepreneurship in common and that they're in their 20s and 30s. And so make sure you go to youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com to find out more about in-real-life meetings and all of the fun stuff that we have going on here. So... That was a lot about wifey, and that was a lot of me talking. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest, In uh, she is the founder, Erica Zydell. She's the founder of Sitting Around. Sittingaround.com gives you an easy online booking, sitters you can trust, and the freedom of knowing you'll always have a babysitter when you need one. Join a babysitting co-op and a trade-free babysitting with other parents. Build a network of paid sitters you trust and share with your friends or both. However you choose to use the site, you will take the it out of finding a... Uh, a sitter, if out of finding a sitter. (laughs) So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Erica Zadel of SittingAround.com. Erica, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to catch up with you. I know. So tell us a little bit more about Sitting Around and why you founded it.
1: So I started sitting around, um, like you were saying, a few years ago, um, because I'm a mom. My son is—he's now six. Um, but when he was little, you know, I was complaining to another family about how difficult it was to find a babysitter, um, and I was frustrated with the options that were available to me. You know, I could go on Craigslist and hope for the best. I could pay forty dollars a month and, you know, scan classifieds on SitterCityOrCare.com or. Care.com or you know, I could try and pry, pry it out of my friends, and hope that they would give up their babysitter for me. Um, and so I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a way that um, that leverages all the great social tools that we have out there, um, and that helps solve this problem. And so that's kind of what started it for me was realizing that, you know, babysitting hadn't evolved much from from when I was a kid.
0: Very nice. So now, um, as far as Erica goes. What is your background in do you do you have experience in building um, a tech company are you are you a, a computer science major I mean what does your background look like
1: uh, my background is management consulting so
0: um, the answer the short answer to that is no this is um, this
1: is my first startup um, my co-founder has done a few before but this is my first one. My background really is in helping bigger companies, um, you know, develop customer facing strategies and so I was able to leverage a lot of what I used in, you know, the corporate world to help with, with my own small business, with my own startup.
0: So now, um, you you were talking about your co-founder, who mm-hmm. is your CTO, Ted Teakin. Yep. How did you meet him and how does that relationship work? <laughs> So um I've known my co-founder for uh, about a decade now, actually.
1: We met as undergraduates at, at Harvard. Um he's also my, my ex and we share a son together. Um but we actually started the company, you know, well after our relationship had ended. And it's sort of one of those things that you know you get asked out, asked about a lot. People say, Well, well, how does that work? And I always tell them, you know, because we've known each other so long and because our relationship is so much in the past we know each other's strengths and weaknesses so well but the emotional stuff just isn't, you know, it isn't, it isn't there, it isn't complicated and so we're actually able to work really, really effectively as a team because you know, he knows what I'm good at, I know what he's good at and you know, we have the experience of, you know, managing well, our child and we can translate <laughs> that into managing a company.
0: I think that's a very uh, unique and special relationship. <laughs> I don't know of too many other women that could do that. Uh, so. Congrats to you, kudos to you. Um, so now, as far as I was mentioning at the very beginning, we met in Seattle, but you're mm-hmm. originally from Boston, right? That's correct. Okay, yes. so you moved back to Seattle, then you moved back to Boston. As far as the two cities go, do you feel like one has a more entrepreneurial spirit or more it fosters the startup ecosystem a little bit better? What What's the difference in terms of? Um, geography for you. You know,
1: I I would say, you know, both cities are are great for entrepreneurs. Um they're they're slightly different in in the emphasis. So, when I think of Seattle, you know, there's a lot of high tech. There's a lot of, you know, gaming, there's a lot of mobile. Um you don't see that as much in Boston. Um you see a lot more of a kind of B2B play, uh, people going after, you know, um, the business to business uh kind of startups and there's a lot of healthcare in Boston as well. And so Um, They're different sort of in terms of industry focus, but there's lots of great entrepreneurs in both cities, and um, I I found there are great communities in both cities as well.
0: Now, did you actually move back, because now for those of you that are on the chatter that are watching, you, I mean, you competed for the Mass Challenge, and you moved back consequently at the same time you got accepted into it. Is that the reason why you moved back to Boston, was for Mass Challenge?
1: Uh, I would say in part it was for Mass Challenge. Mass Challenge was sort of a catalyst. Um, you know, it was one of those things where um, I, I sort of figured I would eventually end up back in Boston. Um, and Mass Challenge was just a terrific opportunity at the right time. Um, and so when we were accepted into Mass Challenge, um, you know, in l- last year, early to mid last year, we made the decision to, to move our company uh, back to the Boston area.
0: So, for those of you that are just on the chat or watching, can you tell us a little bit more about what Mass Challenge is and why you applied for it?
1: Sure. Um, so, Mass Challenge is a startup accelerator that um, seeks to bring you know great uh, high growth companies to the Boston area um, and really make Massachusetts a hub for entrepreneurship. Um, you know, we we came back and we participated for a number of reasons. Um, Primarily because having gone to school in Boston, you know, I, I love the city, um, and I really wanted to help build um, build the ecosystem out here. You know, there was a more established ecosystem out in Seattle, um, but given given the, the high density of students and of, of really great talent out here, it, it just made sense to me that there should be a great ecosystem in Boston as well, and I really wanted to be a part of that, so uh, that definitely influenced my decision to come back here.
0: So now, as far as... Um... The actual competition and the incubator and everything that you were able to take part in. How did, how do you feel like it's benefited your business in the, in the most? I guess I know that I've talked to you about. You got to sit in on different speakers. You got to participate in the competition. You had um, access to all of the resources. What has benefited you the most out of the entire experience? I would say
1: the network has been, has been enormous. I mean, you know, coming back to a city where. You know, I hadn't lived in Boston in nearly seven years and, you know, I certainly had friends here, but they weren't necessarily entrepreneur friends. They were lawyers and doctors and, you know, people whose whose worlds were very different than mine. Um, but coming back here and participating in an accelerator program like Mass Challenge allowed me to instantly be plugged into um, just the richest network I, I could ever imagine of, of, you know, mentors of other people who had been successful in startups, of people who, you know, were like me and could commiserate about, um, you know, just getting their company off the ground. So, um, you know, having friends now who who understand, you know, the day to day of what it's like has just been really, really helpful for me as a person as well as for my company.
0: So now if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with Erica Zadel of sittingaround.com, and she was on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. Side note, I am on the chat if you have questions for her, because I'm sure that brings up a lot of questions for for young women um, who are interested in that type of press to begin with. But in the actual article, you talked about being currently employed as a consultant and basically bootstrapping your business and really going against what the stereotype of a young entrepreneur is, that you're building a business out of your dorm room when you're sleeping on your couch, that type of a thing. So as far as in uh, bootstrapping your business goes, though, you mentioned that you invested something like fifteen to $20,000 of your own money that you earned... In your full time employment, do you regret doing this? What are your thoughts on, on as far as um bringing in money into your business? I guess. You know, I, I think one of the um one of the traps that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into um
1: and I I say trap cautiously, but it, it is 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 thinking that they have to raise money and that the only path to success is you know getting that seed funding or getting a big VC on board um and. In, in reality, what I've, what I've tried to stress is that there are many different pathways to success. Um, and the people who are usually pushing you to take the money are often the people who have you know, their own interests intertwined with that. So if it's a VC who's pushing you to take the money, you maybe should think twice about it. Um, and you know, you know, I would say I don't have any regrets about, about bootstrapping to this point. I mean, I think there comes a point at which you know, some companies, um, the, the right decision is to take money. Uh, but it's really uh, an individual company decision, and you really need to evaluate your own company and your own situation and, and what makes the best both personal as well as business sense for you.
0: So in, in that sense, you in the article, you're saying that you are a consultant, you're working for these large companies during the day, and then you're trying to build the company. You have a son who's now six, right? Yep. Yeah, he turned six in February. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I you're... A pretty busy person, <laughs> to say the least. What does an average day in the life of Erica look like? Oh my god. Um.
1: Well, I wake up probably around six, maybe a little bit later from hitting snooze. Um. You know, my mornings are usually you know a little bit harried, but you know, me and and my son getting him off to school or to camp or you know what, wherever we go. Um. I, I travel about one to two days a week um, for a client that I'm consulting for, so sometimes I'm driving two and a half hours to Connecticut to consult for them during the day. Um, other times I'm working from home, um, I call it my command center, I have like three monitors set up on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my consulting computer, I've got my sitting around computer and then I've got a third monitor that I can kind of drag things onto. and. Um, I often toggle back and forth during the day Um, just, you know, I, I try to block off time for, you know, either consulting or sitting around so that I'm not losing time switching back and forth. But the reality is, is, you know, you often have to take a meeting for one thing while you're trying to work on the other. Um, and then usually around five o'clock, I go and I get my son and I make dinner almost every night, which sounds kind of crazy. Um, but I like to, it's, it's a way for me to kind of decompress and then spend time with him and, and have dinner with him. Um, before he goes to bed, and I usually jump back into work. So,
0: so during the day, do you ever work in person with your your co-founder, or is that more of a a kind of virtual relationship on a day to day basis?
1: No, we work in person, um, maybe sixty to seventy percent of the time. Um, you know, unless I'm I'm traveling for my consulting work. Um, but we we have a lot of in person and, and kind of back and forth. I mean, with a small team. You know, you kind of need that. You kind of need to know what the other person's doing because you're you're working together so much and you've really got to be aligned on what's going on.
0: So along the same lines, kind of, <laughs> this might be a stretch, but as far as dating goes, does that fit into your day-to-day at all? I, what does that look like with your co-founder being, I mean, so entwined in your life? And I mean... What does dating look like for Erica? <laughs>
1: <laughs> for a long time, not much. Um, you know, I just sort of I I i been interviewed before and asked about asked this question, and I just used to say, you know, I, I don't really I don't have the time or the energy. Um, but you know, that, that's not always true. I I, I do date, and um, I. When I do date, I because I have such limited time. I mean, I really try to find people who you know who get my lifestyle and who understand that I'm busy and that I'm not going to be you know able to hang out you know five days a week and things like that. And so um, you have to be a little more selective when you date, just because your time is so limited. But it actually helps because you, you end up finding people who are more worthwhile to hang out with anyway, I guess.
0: Um, but it, it's not you know it's not easy, of course. So would you recommend that other young female entrepreneurs look to their male counterparts and that they be some in some form of startup too in order to date them?
1: You know, I've seen it go very well and I've seen it go very poorly. Um you know, I think I think overall, you know, people who are entrepreneurs kind of understand the lifestyle um and you know, understand that you know, you may be working. You know, at six a.m. one day, and you know, eleven p.m. the next day, and your schedule changes at the drop of a hat. Um, so, I think you know, dating another entrepreneur, as long as you know they understand your commitments, I think actually usually works out pretty well. But you know, having two really busy, stressed out people can also <laughs> go very poorly. So, um, you know, I think it's an individual decision.
0: So as far as um, your current employer goes, though, so you've Mm -hmm. worked out this with the people that you date and you say, hey, I have a very busy schedule. I have a a very full life. Uh, Do you tell your employer, the person you're consulting for, the same thing or do you reserve certain pieces of your life?
1: Absolutely, and um, you know I have I've tried to be um, as as upfront with my employer as possible to the point of almost you know kind of you know when I was on the cover of Entrepreneur I, I think I brought a copy of it actually no no I I was I was at a meeting with with my with my boss at my consulting firm and I pulled it up on my smartphone because I said I was on the cover of Entrepreneur and he said no you weren't and I you know, <laughs> I pulled it up on my smartphone and said no look there's me that's me. Um, and you know, just because I don't ever want them to come back and say, you know, oh, she was, you know, she wasn't honest with us, or you know, to feel like somehow I was hiding something. And I think when you're when you're working for somebody else and you're running your own company. Um from a you know an ethical and a morale per, um moral perspective, you know it's good to be upfront, but also from a legal perspective um in terms of protecting yourselves because a lot of times when you sign employment contracts, you know there are clauses in there that say anything you do during company time can be um you know is is for the company, and so you have to be very very explicit both in your employment contract and with how you communicate um to that employer you know what else you're doing and I think I think that's the best way to be is to just be totally upfront about it that is now, a
0: good point to bring up I know that a lot of young women in the past that we've talked to about this and we've asked the same question they've all said you know it's very private it's completely different I'm not gonna tell my employer about that but that is I've also talked to a few young women that have said distinctly that if I work on this during company time and they don't understand that or they're holding off on building their business because it explicitly says that that company will own whatever it is that they're creating at that time. So I think that's a good point to bring up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would advise that if you, if you are bootstrapping, um, you know, if you're working for somebody else um, to go back and to take a look at your employment contract and, and just make sure that, you know, you are protected. Um, I will say that I have a wonderful, I work for a wonderful consulting firm and they've been, um, almost encouraging i would I would say encouraging of of sitting around and of you know of of my business um, so it is important to to know kind of the culture of the company that you 're working for um, you know before you go into that conversation
0: so let 's talk about sitting around now and babysitting and co ops and all that fun stuff that you 're building a um a culture around really i mean. You, I, we went to Washington D.C. together, and I remember sitting up on the stage, and you basically explaining what's happening for young moms or for moms today, and trying to find good quality childcare. And so you're really an advocate for us moms, with sitting around. But in that same sense, you wrote, you wrote the book <laughs> on co-ops, and um, literally wrote the book on co-ops. I don't know if we have an image of her book. It's on Amazon right now. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about the the inspiration. It's I think it's a 68-page book about, um, yeah, it says here, The Complete Guide to Starting Your Own Babysitting Co-op. So maybe tell us a little bit about the book and how you got, what was the the, the thinking around creating this book?
1: Well, the thinking for creating the, the book is that, you know, prior to sitting around, um, co-ops were managed by and large offline. I mean, that was one of the reasons we, we started sitting around as a co-op site is, Um, You know, so when I was talking to this other family about, you know, how hard babysitting was, she said, well, why don't you join a babysitting co-op? And I had no idea what they were, and I started researching, and I found out that most of them were run predominantly offline. Um, And I said, you know, well, there's a better way to do this. We can build an application that takes all the work out of running a co-op, and co-ops can flourish, and lots of families across the country can get to experience, um, you know, what a babysitting co-op is. Um, but a lot of people were used to sort of these manuals that you know there were there were booklets that you would fill in your points, and so I thought, well, why don't we write a book? But instead of you know including you know timesheets for people to fill in to to keep track of their hours, we can actually tell them how great co-ops are, and you know how to start your own, and give them real useful tools that actually are relevant to the way that people live their lives today. So, I look at the book as sort of a um, a quick how-to and an introductor an introduction to co-ops. Um, you know, for people who are considering one as a way to, to kind of get them started.
0: So since uh, since seeing you last summer, sittingaround.com has taken a pretty big pivot in going adding in sitting um, babysitters Yep. and connecting parents with babysitters. So maybe tell us a little bit about that decision as far as bringing in that that second piece. Absolutely.
1: So um, that decision came about, about six months after we launched um, Sitting Around as just Babysitting Co-op's. And what we started to see was that, you know, there's a there's a subset of parents, about, you know, I'd say 20 to 30 percent who love co-ops and who think they're great. Um, for the other 70 to 80 percent of parents, you know, they might not necessarily want to, you know, reciprocate care because a babysitting co-op is, you know, trading babysitting with people in your community. Um, but for those parents, they still struggled with how difficult it was to find a babysitter um and to find a babysitter they could trust. And so for them, babysitting was still very much broken and so we, we said okay well we can take some of the things that are great about co-ops and if we apply them to the, the babysitting market you know that will improve the way parents find and schedule babysitters so one of the things that we, we do is we, we allow parents to see how they're connected to others so you can see who your neighbors trust. Um, you can create lists of sitters, sitters who you trust, so you know instead of having just one sitter, you could have you know four or five that you have on this list that you know are great sitters, and so you're never left without anybody um and Another thing we added was this payment, so we recently um partnered with square to allow all of the sitting around babysitters you know to use a free square reader on their on their smartphone so For a parent, you know, it's kind of annoying to have to go to the ATM, you know, to worry, you know, do I have cash at the end of the night or, oh my God, where's the checkbook that I never use? But if you can come in at the end of the night and hand your credit card to your babysitter, well, that takes a lot of stress out of, you know, a night out. So um, we're looking at ways just in general to make babysitting better for both, both the parents as well as, you know, the babysitters.
0: Coincidentally, <laughs> I've read in a couple articles that you were featured in that the babysitting, childcare industry is a 5 billion dollar industry. It's And huge. They're, they're saying that it's hard to track really because a lot of it happens under the table and is in cash. Um so as far as the square reader goes, that's a big that's a big thing. I mean, it's very it's simple in in the concept, but executed in the way that you've done it, you've basically giving babysitters the power to Really build complete businesses here by giving them um, options as far as how they take in their income. Now, how did that relationship come to be? Did you approach Square, or how did that look? How did that work?
1: Well, we initially, you know, we were thinking of doing um, accepting payments on the sending around website, which is something we're still, you know, exploring doing. Um, we're actually going to be expanding our payment our payment options. Um, but while we were doing that, Square actually approached us and said, you know. This is a this can be a quick way for your babysitters to be up and running taking credit cards and that will get the sitters and the parents you know 90% of the value that that you're really looking for and um you know they were fantastic to work with and you know we formed a great relationship with them and so we rolled that out about a month ago um and we've gotten great reception to it you know everybody the parents especially parents more so than anybody say you know wow I can just you know walk in the door and swipe my card on their phone and sign with my finger and you know I still think that's really really cool having you know written checks to babysitters in the past I saw
0: you tweet it one day and something about (laughs) credit cards and babysitters I was like what I think that's an awesome idea so now as far as um, babysitters go then do you have any advice for young women that are making an income over the summer whether they're in college or in high school babysitting
1: well, babysitting is a great way to make money. I mean, I, you know, like most girls, I, you know, I babysat as as a teen. Um and, you know, one of the things that 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 is I have heard more, I've heard more and more these days is that, you know, security is really important, not just from the parent, but from the sitter. So, if I, you know, if I'm a, you know, 15-year-old or 16-year-old and I'm going to have to babysit, how do I know I can trust the family? Um so one of the things that we did is we also partnered with a background check provider called Talent Shield. Um, so now, all of our sitters and all of our families can run free background checks on themselves and post it in their profile, so you can see that you know this family you know has no criminal history, they are who they say they are um, but for the sitters I, I I would also say you know, look at your stand around profile as your business page. Um, we've tried to make we've tried to make their profiles. Um, scalable, So you can take it anywhere you want across the web. Um, other sitter sites, you know, you have parents have to pay to be a member and, you know, they can't really see your contact information. Our goal right now is just to make uh, the babysitter's business page as accessible and as useful to them as possible. So I really encourage if anybody's out there looking um, to make some extra money over the summer to, to look to a sitting around profile and, and use that as your, your business page to get more clients.
0: I think that's an awesome idea and it was really neat that I was able to share it via Facebook to people that weren't necessarily on sitting around. However, I live in the middle of nowhere out here in the Seattle area and there was 12 babysitters around me. I was crazy surprised. <laughs> like how that's, did you hear, I'm glad to hear of it? Hear it. <laughs> so I was really excited about that. And so I think that's a great point. Now, I'm um, bringing it back quickly cuz we're wrapping up here. Um you're living the dream, basically, right? A lot of young women, I mean, you hear this all the time, right? We want it all. You you have your own business. You have a great career. You have a, a, an awesome son who you just saw, um, for those of you watching, photos of, of uh, him, his sitting around flyers. The cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, so how does it feel really? I mean, cause you really do have it all. You have what women want today. You want the career, the kids and everything. How does it feel? Um,
1: <laughs> so, so it's a very loaded question. Um, having just read, especially, you know, that, that Atlantic article that's mm-hmm. going around about, um, you know, how women really can't have it all. Um, it, it feels conflicted. It feels like, you know, I, I, I do have the things that I want, but you know, it's it, it's hard, you know, it's it's very, very difficult. I mean I, I still think, you know, as a society, you know, we've got some some um some room to go um in terms of making, you know, living the dream um an actual dream and, and, and not, you know, kind of a constant battle. But um, you know, I feel very very blessed. I mean, I feel very fortunate um, you know, for my company's success and you know to have a flexible um employer and a, and a son who, you know, I tell my son, you know, if you were if you were like me when I was a kid, I wouldn't be able to have a company because he's just the most um understanding, I guess, 6-year-old um that I've ever seen. So, um I feel very very fortunate.
0: So now to end uh, for those of you who are watching and who are interested in entering into this five billion dollar a year uh, childcare industry, is there is there any particular area or momentum or concept that you're most excited about childcare moving towards?
1: I'm excited about the way that trust is changing in the in the childcare market, and you know, historically we've seen you know background checks being really really important, and this was before a lot of um, social networking took rise. But now people people build trust based off of who they know, based off of who's in their social network, and so I get really excited when I see the ways in which we can leverage people's social connections to help them find better sitters faster. And sitters that they're going to trust and, and like a lot more. So that's where I get really excited.
0: Well, Erica, thank you so much for being on the show this evening. I think you're a wealth of information for all young female entrepreneurs. You're a fantastic role model, someone that's balancing being a mom, um, having the career, building the business. And you're just, I think the business is a great resource for young female entrepreneurs to begin with. So, uh, um, why don't you tell us where we can find you after the live stream? Uh, So, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I
1: think you can probably see my Twitter handle. I'm not sure. It's at Erica, E R I C A B Z. Um, And you can also find me at sittingaround.com.
0: Well, thank you again for being on the show. And hopefully we'll get to catch up afterwards. Um, But in the meantime, you've all been watching Young Female Entrepreneurs Live, the live stream that happens every Thursday night here at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern at ovale.tv slash live. Make sure that you go to youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com and sign up for our emails. Like I said, they're moving over. Otherwise, I'll see you here Thursday, July 5th. Yes, we're doing a live stream on the 5th because you need to expect them every Thursday here at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Thanks so much for watching, and have a great weekend.